Brian McClanahan Show, episode 431. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back in the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com, mclanahanacademy.com. It's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do enroll, 10 Myths of American History, and you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. I do have a course out now. It came out just about a little over a week ago, my Originalist Papers series. And in fact, this particular subject that I'm going to talk about today on the, on the podcast has to do with the Constitution. So you go out and get my American Constitutions class. It's on sale right now if you're on my email list. You get the Originalist Papers class. It's on sale right now if you're on my email list. You pick up those and you get a real understanding of the Constitution. And I've got actually uh, three podcasts this week alone on the Constitution. So you're going to want to get that. I mean, it's this is this is how... You interact with the Constitution in myself and, of course, this podcast. This is the free-of-charge part of what I do. And purchasing classes at McClanahan Academy keeps this podcast going. I mean, it really does. I want to make a, a statement about that, too. If you get the email, some people are getting the emails that the server is sending them to spam, and there's been some things, some warnings on the emails. Look, there's no malicious content in my emails that I ever send out. If you ever get anything like that, or check your spam folder, this is how you keep this podcast going free of charge by purchasing classes at McClanahan Academy. So please consider doing that. Um, it's a and, and look in that spam folder, whitelist my email address. That way you get the coupons. I mean, look, I want to give you discounts, so get the coupons and buy the classes at discount. You can also uh, support the show by clicking on that support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. You can go to Learn True, T-R-U-E, learntruehistory.com. All kinds of ways to support the show. And, of course, share it around on social media. Rate it wherever you get your podcasts. Let people know you're listening to The Brian McClanahan Show. Send me some show requests. I always enjoy that. And, in fact, this is a listener-generated episode. So, again, I get your emails. I may not respond to them because I get a lot of emails, and I'm way behind all the time. But... Um, if you if you want to send me an idea, I do appreciate the idea. So, this is one of those, and it's about D.C. statehood. Big issue in the news a lot. We know the Democrats are going to push for this. They want to make D.C. the state of Washington, Douglas. I can't remember what they're going to call it. Um, but... Yeah, I'm sorry, the Washington-Douglas Commonwealth is what they're going to call this thing. But I want to talk about it because of the legal question involved in this. How is, is this even legal for the United States to carve a state out of Washington, D.C.? Right? And so what they would do is create a state, and then they would 
uh, have a federal district, which would be basically the Capitol building, the White House, and uh, you know things like that. So that would be it. It would be a very small part of uh, the actual existing city of Washington right now, the District of Columbia. That in itself presents a real interesting problem, as this paper I'm going to read gets into. Now, granted, this is coming from the Republican Policy Committee. So uh, this is coming out of the Senate. This is the Republican opposition to it. I'm going to remark on a couple of things in this that I don't agree with, and then a couple of things that I do agree with in this particular position. Now, I know Kevin Gutzman, who's a colleague of mine, has said he doesn't really have a constitutional problem with D.C. statehood. I think John C. Calhoun would. Look, because the Congress, in this case, would be creating the state. Now, Congress doesn't create states, and Calhoun would have said as much. He said as much in his Michigan statehood speech. He said, look, Congress can't create states. They can't create the conditions by which uh, something can become a state. The people have to do that. And then they petition for statehood. Congress doesn't create a bill to create a state. The people petition for statehood out of a territory. In this case, it's out of a federal city that was carved out of Maryland. Now, Virginia already gave, already took back its land, which was part of Washington, D.C. at one point. But Maryland has not. So Mitt Romney actually came up with a solution. Mitt Romney, of all people. When Mitt Romney actually gets something's right, you know it's pretty obvious is the real problem here. Why not just let Maryland take... If the real issue is representation, which is what they're saying it is. Look, we want these people to be... They have no representation. Anybody that lives in D.C. doesn't have any representation. No taxation without representation. Okay, all right. Well, why doesn't Maryland just take back the, the land and then we're left with the federal city? There's even an issue with that constitutionally. And it's because of the 23rd Amendment to the Constitution, which creates all kinds of problems, right? So you, if Maryland took back the land, which could happen, then all these people would have, would have representation. Now... This happened in Virginia in the antebellum period, 1847, I think, is when it happened. And uh, this piece actually gets into, well, maybe that actually can't happen. The Supreme Court so I've said it, but, you know, when, when some judges said they were uh, Taft, Chief Justice Taft, all the way back in the early 20th century, said, I don't know if, uh, you know, Virginia could have taken its land back. This is ridiculous. But it's a question that uh, we need to address. A sovereign state can take its land back at any time it wants, right? I mean, this is this is the way those things can work. So, anyways, the title of this piece is Practical and Legal Problems with D.C. Statehood. In the push to create a state unlike any other in the Union, Democrats have ignored practical and legal problems that would burden the district and the electoral system as a whole because a constitutional amendment would be necessary to grant D.C. itself statehood the current plan Democrats will vote for in the House this week would give most of the land in the current district to a new state to be called Washington Douglas Commonwealth. Of course, named after George Washington and Frederick Douglass. The remaining District of Columbia would be a tiny, would be tiny, compromising several federal buildings, including the Capitol and White House. The state that would emerge under the current Democratic plan would be constitutionally vexing and highly unusual in many ways. Judging by recent election results, it would be by far the most partisan state in the country, and it's, if its legislature reflected the current city council, it would be the only state with no Republican elected officials anywhere in the state government. 
Meanwhile, the federal district left over after the creation of a D.C. state would potentially award the president and his family as many votes in the Electoral College as the tiny state of Vermont. Even honest proponents of D.C. statehood acknowledge that there is currently no plausible solution to some of these problems. Exactly right. Now, the last part of it is the most glaring problem. Though, I mean, I could get in, again, we could look at this and say, the people of D.C. would have to petition to become a state, and then the Congress could accept that petition. Congress can't create a state. Congress has never been able to create a state. They can't do it. So they get into the Democratic plan here. The Democratic plan for D.C. statehood, the District of Columbia, is a creation of the Constitution, which limits what Congress can do to change its status without a constitutional amendment. This is, this is true. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 of the Constitution establishes that Congress has exclusive legislative power over such district not exceeding 10 square miles as may by session of particular states and the acceptance of Congress become the seat of the government of the United States. Because the Constitution is so clear on this point, a constitutional amendment would be required to actually make the District of Columbia as currently established a state. Given the implausibility of a, of a constitutional amendment on this point, Democrats in Congress have offered a different plan for D.C. statehood. So, essentially, I mean, this is right, right? You can't just say Washington, D.C. is going to become a state. There has to be something. You have to create out of the territory there, so you have to carve out another part of it and say this is now going to be a state. Now, there's a problem with that. There's a whole bunch of legal problems with that. Most importantly, this has to deal with Maryland. But then also the 23rd Amendment is going to come into this. And then you've got some other issues as the piece brings up with retrocession, essentially secession or ascension. So you've got some issues going on here, right? The plan would not technically give D.C. statehood. Rather, it would create a new state to be named Washington Douglas Commonwealth, out of a land grant from the federal government consisting of most of the current District of Columbia. Congress would shrink the federal District of Columbia to encompass only a few federal government buildings, such as the Capitol, the White House, and the Supreme Court. By avoiding making the seat of the federal government a state, the Democrats' plan sidesteps the need for a constitutional amendment to allow D.C. statehood. But in doing so, the plan creates new constitutional questions. So, yes, this is true. They've signed, they, they're going to they're gonna keep the federal city. It doesn't say how big it has to be. I mean, it could be a, a mile. I mean, there's, there's no requirement. We have to have a, an independent federal city, though. That was seen as essential because if a state controlled it, then you could create some, some interesting problems in that regard. But the general government controls the city of Washington, which is why in so many ways it doesn't really need a mayor or a city council. And that's only a modern creation of the Democrats, to be honest. That's only been the last half century that you've even had a mayor of D.C., uh, a city council in D.C. The general government just legislated for D.C. because it controlled, it had all legislative power in Washington, D.C. Essentially, it was like the state of Washington, D.C. It's the only part of the entire Constitution, unless you can count the territories, right? I mean, so that's another question, uh, which is legally dubious when you look at uh, what that was intended to be, how much control the general government would have over territory and how much territory could actually control. I mean, these are all major questions. But when you've got this issue of the, of the city, it has complete control of the city as a state would 
control of a city or if it wasn't incorporated. It has complete control. It can do whatever it wants. It's the only area where the general government has municipal powers in Washington, D.C. That's it. It has municipal powers. Now, it doesn't have municipal powers anywhere else in the Union, in any other state. And this is why, when you say municipal powers, what are you talking about there? Well, police power. It has police power in Washington, D.C. So, in Washington, D.C., it would be the same relationship as, say, your city to the police power there. But it doesn't have police power anywhere else. This is why when you have someone like Elon Omar, Elon Omar, Representative Omar, saying, look, we need to have federal control of police, it's completely unconstitutional. And, and in fact, if the founders had thought that the general government would have any control over the police, they wouldn't have ratified the Constitution. It's, it's clear when you go back and look at the ratification debates. It's clear. So let's look at the constitutional arguments of this particular proposal. The Constitution outlines how land can enter the possession of the District of Columbia, session of particular states, but not how land can leave it. While this might seem to mean Congress can give the land back, similar provisions in the Constitution regarding statehood raise some doubt. For instance, the Emissions Clause gives Congress the power to admit new states, but no power for expulsion or secession. Now, what we're going to talk about here, essentially, is we got to go all the way back to Reconstruction. we got to go all the way back to the war. So Congress doesn't have the, has a power to admit a state, but it doesn't have a power to kick a state out. This is true. It has no power to do so. It cannot remove a state from the Union. Why? Because Congress really, <laughs> really doesn't have any power to create states or anything, right? That's, that shows you very clearly in the original Constitution that states created the general government. The general government did not create the states. It has a power to admit states, but not create states. It can admit states to the Union, but not force them out. And it cannot create states. That part of the Constitution becomes very clear. When you look at this, and it just a light bulb should go off. Well, wait a second here. If it can't create states and it has no power to expel states, then states can leave themselves. A state can petition to be in the Union. A state, the Congress can say, sure, join our Union. But that state then can leave the Union at any time it so chooses. Well, not according to the Supreme Court, apparently. The Supreme Court held in 1868, this is Texas v. White, that once a state enters a union, the relationship is indissoluble. Well, of course the Supreme Court ruled that in 1868. Again, Texas v. White. This is Samuel Chase. Now, there's an important part of it that they're, that they're missing in this ruling as well. But the union is indissoluble. Well, why would Samuel Chase rule that way? Why would the Supreme Court come down on that side in 1868? What just happened three years before that? The entire United States government just fought a war saying you can't leave the Union unless, unless we say you can, because then you get into the caveat of Reconstruction, right? So you can't leave, you can't unilaterally leave the Union. Once you're in it, you're in it. There's no getting out of it. That's not what the founding generation thought. In fact, the threat of disunion was one of the reasons why you had the Constitution. 
because they understood states could leave the union. And what happens if four states didn't ratify the Constitution? They're out of the union. They're not in it. And once they're in it, they can alter or abolish that system of government. They can do whatever they want. The states accede so the states can secede. There's no prohibition on that in Article 1, Section 10. It's a very clear, I mean, it's crystal clear if you just go back and understand the language of the document itself and the times in which it was written. Now, I'm going to get into originalism later in the class. And understanding of how this document was formed. Same thing with the Articles of Confederation. None of the states in the Union had to join the Articles of Confederation. None of the states in the Union had to join the Constitution. They didn't have to. They agreed to do it, but it didn't make it permanent as long as they were in it. There's no prohibition on secession in Article 1, Section 10. And the Congress can admit new states, but it cannot boot them out. Now, in Texas v. White, somehow Samuel Chase says Congress can do that. In that vein, some legal scholars have contended that just as the Constitution provides a way for states to enter but not leave the Union, the Constitution provides a way for land to enter the district but not be given away. So because there's no power for Congress to give land away, well then, they can't give it away. Just like it's that states and territories are the same thing, according to this convoluted legal argument. A state and a territory are the same thing. They're just some corporate power of the center. This is a nationalist center argument. And it's ridiculously stupid, right? So territories and states are not the same thing. But yes, the general government can give land away. It can do it all the time. It's done it all the time, right? So it could do that. It could say we're creating this territory. But the problem with that that, of course, that territory is essentially part of Maryland. Opposing this legal view is the fact that in 1846, Congress granted back the land ceded by Virginia to form the original District of Columbia. So, wait a second here. Let me go back to the thing before I get into that. Let me, let me Texas v. White. Texas v. White actually says that Congress can boot a state out of the Union. And why does it say that? Because of all the states decide a state leaves the Union, this validated military reconstruction. You see, because in 1867, the Congress booted all the former Confederate states out of the Union and said they reverted to territorial status so they could control them however they wanted to. So what the Supreme Court did in 1868 was retroactively make that legal. But under original understanding, there's no way they could have done this. That would have been completely unconstitutional, completely illegal. Can you imagine James Madison, Alec, I don't care who you are, James Wilson, to pick the most ardent nationalist, arguing in, in Philadelphia or then during ratification. Let's say we get the Constitution has been drafted, it's gone to the states, and James Wilson stands up in a statehouse yard speech in October of 1787 and says, you know what? This Constitution grants the power of the general government to force a state to become a territory. You would have had the Constitution defeated, defeated uh, in every state in the Union, by smashing majorities. I mean, probably unanimously in some of these states. They never would have agreed to it because that would have given the power, say, to say, Massachusetts, you're now a territory because all the other states said you are. Well, I mean, that would have been considered preposterous. Or South Carolina, you're a territory. Virginia, New York, you're now a territory of the United States. 
We have kicked you out of the union, and now you revert back to territorial status. You are no longer a state. That would have been absolutely preposterous. And there's no power in the general government, in the the Constitution, that gives a general government this kind of power. It doesn't exist. The Supreme Court said it existed. Well, I mean, this is because Samuel Chase was trying to come up with a way to justify four years of bloody war and then now a blatantly unconstitutional Military Reconstruction Act. The first Reconstruction Act. I mean, this is what they were trying to do. Now, I talk about this, of course, in my McClanahan Academy courses. I talk about this in my Reconstruction class, which we're still undergoing Reconstruction right now. This is what this is. It's all part of Reconstruction. Reconstruction is not putting the Union back together. It's recreating the Union. And we're still in that process. We've been remaking the Union since 1865. And we're still in that ongoing process. And, of course, it's under the cover of civil rights and we got to help this group or that group. But really what it's about more than anything else is power. It's always about power. You can take any issue, any issue, and it becomes about power. I want to have power of these people. I want to have power. I want to do this. I want. These are the things I want to do with other people's money. These are the things I want to do with the power that I have. I want to force people to wear a mask. I want to force people to do what I mean. These are the things they want you to do. It's about power. Let me, now let's continue. Opposing this legal view is the fact that in 1846, Congress granted back the land ceded by Virginia to form the original District of Columbia. That granting back of land, technically termed a retrocession, was challenged in the Supreme Court in 1875 by a resident of Alexandria seeking to avoid paying taxes to Virginia. The Supreme Court did not rule on the constitutionality of retrocession in order to resolve the case, but left the retrocession in place. In other words, they didn't think it was really their business. So they're just going to leave it in place. President William Taft believed retrocession was unconstitutional, wanted in 1909 to have the Virginia land returned to the district. Now, of course, President Taft later became a Supreme Court justice, chief justice, but it was never brought up while he was on the bench. In theory, if the Supreme Court now held that land could not leave the district in order to form the Douglas Commonwealth, could also call into question the legality of the retrocession, even though it has been accepted as fact for 175 years. So, hey, somebody could challenge it, saying that you can't retrocede. Congress can't just give land back. Once they take it, it's theirs forever. Think about how, how nasty and despotic that actually is. Once the Congress comes in and says, that's our land, it can never give it back to anything. The state, the individual, nothing. It can't give it back. It's just theirs forever because they said they wanted it. Think about what kind of power that's giving the general government. It's dangerous. In the extreme, that's dangerous. Of course, Congress can give land back, because it's not really theirs to begin with. In this particular case, you know, retrocession, the state said, we're going to grant this to you to create the District of Columbia, but we're taking it back now. I mean, the territories of the United States, that's the common property of the United States. It's maybe a little different story, but this was ca- carved out of a state. Another question arising from the Democratic plan is the constitutional prohibition on forming new states from the jurisdiction of any other state without the consent of the legislatures of the states concerned. The land constituting the current District of Columbia was granted by Maryland, so some legal scholars have argued that Maryland would have to consent to the land being granted to a new state. I agree 100%. Maryland would have to give its consent. Now, I can guarantee you this, too. Maryland would do it. Maryland would do it 
the governor, I mean, he's Republican. He might, uh, you know, but he's he's not, I mean, he's soft. He's a, he's a you know, as far left a Republican as you can get. He basically, I mean, he's just a nationalist in so many ways. But, I mean, he might, the legislature of Maryland might raise a stink about this, but I doubt it. They'd probably go along with the plan. But maybe they wouldn't. And so you can't just create a state out of land that's not really yours to create a state out of. Others argue that Maryland uh, permanently relinquished its claim to the land with this grant to the federal government. I don't agree. Either way, the Supreme Court would likely have to clarify the status of such land grants in future case. In the future case, the Democrats' plan for D.C. is implemented. I mean, sure. It, it, look, somebody would sue. Somebody would sue. There'd be that one Republican that lives in D.C. and saying and say, "Look, I don't agree with this," and they they'd go to court over it. And the Supreme Court would have to get involved. This is going to be if if the Democrats do this and the and the Senate goes along with it, which I don't think is going to happen. But let's say they did. This would be tied up in court for years. It'd be tied up in court for years. A judge would place an injunction on it. It would stop it. And then it would be tied up in court. The other thing, and this is the most pressing part of it, I think is the last part. That's the most challenging for the Democrats in creating this. And they can't get around this, right? Finally, the 23rd Amendment creates bizarre issues with the Electoral College votes for the hypothetical shrunken Federal District of Columbia. The amendment, ratified in 1961, grants the district no more electoral votes than that of the smallest state in the union, which is currently three electoral votes. So the city of D.C. gets three electoral college votes. So if you shrunk that district down to just have the Capitol, the White House, the Supreme Court building, a few federal buildings, who lives there? Does anybody actually live there? Except for a few people in the president's family. They're the only ones that live there. So what have you done? You've just given three electoral college votes to the president of the United States and his family. Now, in order to be an elector, you, you have to have the requisite for electors of the state. So that would make Jill Biden essentially the elector for the district, for the, the federal city. And then a couple other, but you have to have three electors. So you'd have to have, you know, Bo Biden, not Bo Biden, but uh, Hunter Biden, Bo Biden's dead, Hunter Biden and somebody else. If, but if they, they have to live there, right? So, or Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris lives there. So basically you could say, all right, Kamala Harris's husband, Jill Biden, and then you got to pick somebody else. Somebody else has got to live there, I guess. Uh, the staff of the White House, maybe they live there. I don't know. Maybe you create so some people live there. I don't know, whoever lives there. I don't even know how many people live there. So you, you're going to create this very messy legal problem that gets to that. The votes do not depend on the size of the district. Under the Democrat plan, the residents of the new smaller district would likely only be the president and the president's family living in the White House. Right? So, I mean, it's, it's even going to cover, this probably wouldn't even cover the VP. Right? So just the president and his family. The first family would effectively get three electoral votes. Can you imagine this? Three electoral votes. Imagine if the election is that close, Right? And those three electoral votes are the deciding three votes, and the president gives himself three votes to win the presidency. This is a disaster. It's a disaster. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution provides that no person holding an office or a trust or profit on the United States shall be appointed an elector. This term includes the president, 100%. So if a president lived alone in the White House, it is possible that no residents of the district could actually serve as electors. And how could the president 
have three electoral college votes, just one, right? But so you, you'd have the family, but regardless, this is dangerous. In the extreme, it's dangerous. The current version of the Democrats' bill for statehood calls for expedited, expedited procedures to, re, to consider repealing the 23rd Amendment. But that repeal will require ratification by three-quarters of the states. Such a large number of states voting for ratification will require both red and blue states to ratify, and one of the political parties would be sacrificing a guaranteed three electoral votes in the next presidential election. I can guarantee you right now it would never happen. There's enough Republican-controlled states that this amendment would not pass. So in other words, this is a dead letter. And it should be. D.C. should never be a state. Now again, I saw a post that Goodspin put up about, well, if this happens, why, don't, why doesn't Texas just make five states out of Texas? And uh, why don't we just get uh, you know, Alabama creating two states in Alabama? Why don't we just start splitting all the states up? Well, I don't think, or two, Florida, I don't think this would happen. I really don't think this would happen because the states aren't going to give up that much power. They're not going to split up their power. The governors won't do that. Nobody's going to do that. At the end of the day, though, the legal problems facing D.C. statehood are so great when you have the 23rd Amendment thrown in there. That's a real issue. And you have this issue of Maryland involved in it. I think Maryland would get around that. But what really, if we're talking about representation, if we're talking about representation, the only thing that people should be discussing here is... Just retrocede the land back to Maryland then. Just get let Maryland take the land back, and now you vote in Maryland elections. It's that simple. You vote in Maryland elections. So there's no longer a situation where you have three electoral college votes for D.C. You'd have to still get rid of that because you create this very small federal city. You'd still have to deal with the 23rd Amendment situation with that. So that is a major issue, and I think one that needs to be addressed. All right. That's my take on D.C. statehood. I think it's unconstitutional because of all these other problems. I think that uh, it would create so many legal problems. We've tied up in court for years. I don't think you could get around it anyways. So I think it's a pipe dream for the Democrats to get D.C. statehood. They'd be better to focus their attention on Puerto Rico. They'd be better to focus their attention on Puerto Rico than D.C., but, you know, Puerto Rico is, that doesn't have this, the same kind of appeal as D.C. statehood because Puerto Rico is, you know, out in the ocean somewhere. Nobody really knows much about Puerto Rico. What the heck is that? But D.C. has, I mean, well, this is the federal city. And, of course, uh, we know why the Democrats want to do it because this gives them three more electoral college votes. They think that they would get then be able to swing no matter what. They get three more and 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 two more senators. That's the whole key. It's the two senators they would get. That would be the whole point of this thing. The two senators they would get. If it's not about the two senators, it's not about the two senators, then just let Maryland have the land back. But that's not what they want to do. They want two more senators because right now they would have 52 instead of 50 and they would be pushing everything they wanted through the Congress. It's a naked power grab. Same thing with packing the court. And I think most Americans are coming around to seeing this. I think the Democrats are actually shooting themselves in the foot for all of this stuff. And they're going to regret it when the 2022 elections come around. All right. That's my take on it. See you next time for the Brian McClain Hand Show. See you then.